0: the general tone of this conversation. I need to listen to more episodes. I think that doesn't get nearly enough attention. So you guys are doing a service with this type of podcast. All right, excited to be back. Scott, how are you doing today?
1: Doing well. I am looking out the window to more rain. It's been raining here all week and I'm pretty damn tired of it. But uh, we're into summer season. The kids finished school here last week. So Ocean City picked up. I got stuck in traffic two nights last week because I couldn't ride the bike because of the stupid rain. Uh, and then just spent a few days in or a couple days in Ocean City in Delaware with Steve Schwab, showing him around Ocean City in Delaware and where Casago Del Mar is going. So been a good week. I need some sunshine.
0: Gotcha. I was going to ask about the bike because I know the bike's your stress reliever too. So I can sense the tension
1: right now that you're yes. in the yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: aluminum cage, if you will. Yeah.
1: And on more than one occasion this week has been like, just go ride in the rain please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing like the, the wheels spinning out on like wet pavement and then, you know, you're under a car somehow. So let's not do that. Maybe <laughs> You need an inside bike. Don't you have an inside bike? You need
1: that. No, I can't do it. I can't. Uh, I know guys that do it. I cannot. Pedaling is hard enough, but to do it and go nowhere except look at the screen is not my gig. Cannot do gotcha. it.
0: Got to be a real world kind of peddler. Yes. Okay, good to know. We got to learn more about you for sure. Adam, how are you? How are things flying down in your beach? I'm sure the the, route, the roads are crowded down there by you as well, I would imagine.
2: Right oh my now. gosh, they're crazy. And <laughs> to, to Scott's point, when it rains, everybody is out and about. They're all shopping. They're all going to the museum. So yeah, we're at a point where it's pretty much just stay home. This rain has been tough. It's been a tough start to the summer for us. But fingers crossed that it goes away here sometime soon and we actually get some warm weather and start the summer i like to start with the sports update, so I'll share a quick one. We don't have much going on outside of off-season preparation, so we've got a couple camps going on. We're on our second soccer camp, came away with MVP of the camp of the first one, so we are doing well through this off-season here. And I am pleased to say that the travel soccer team will return. We've got a fall team ready to go, so I'm excited that I've got enough players to actually keep that going. So it's going well on the sports front as well.
0: Yeah, that's good. MVP of the training camp where champions are built, right? In training camp. That's right. That's right. I like that. Adam, we'll be joined by Jeff here in a second. We'll bring him in, but tie the storyline into kind of where we've been over the past few weeks. I think this is going to be a fun one. I didn't know much about this, so I'm going to be in learning mode, but help us understand a little bit where we're going today. With Yeah, I didn't
2: know so much. much about this either. I'd never heard of it until we had gone to Keystone. So I'll tie a couple pieces together here. So we're going to build off of the last couple episodes that we've talked about the Keystone retreat, especially the one that we were with Matt and had him explain what his vision is around Keystone. So we're going to get some of Jeff's perspective on Keystone and what the value was there for him. So that's one thread that we'll look at. And then we'll spend some time talking with Jeff about what a GPO is and why there's value for the entire industry with what Jeff is doing, not only from a monetary value, but there's a bigger picture. And this is really the thread that we've been pulling on since the beginning of this is as we evolve as an industry, what are we collectively doing to help improve the guest experience, the homeowner experience, the processes and systems that vacation rental managers are using? And Jeff's product, Jeff's system is 100% in the process of improving collectively. We're all going to be rising tide. We'll lift all boats. 100% comes from this GPO perspective. I'll let Jeff explain it, but I was I was surprised by what it was and then equally surprised about the overall value that it can offer.
0: Yeah, Jeff, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. I think we want to get into the specifics of what Adam said a second ago, but we've got some important stuff to get to first. So number one, we'd love, welcome to the show. Thanks. We're glad you're here. And we'd love to hear a little bit more about you, HostGPO, et cetera. But before you do that, could you also share a song that best describes you as we get into it?
3: Yeah. So I, I was thinking about that and I think really, first of all, excited to be here. But second of all, as far as a song that describes me, I went back and looked at my my Spotify wrapped for 2022. And my most played song was Seasons by Future Islands. And there's a Bad Not Good remix of that song. And I think I like Seasons very much as something that describes me as I look at starting host GPO as a a new season in my life, the last kind of three years. I think that a lot of what has brought me to this place. And also something I've been able to really reflect on is, and I'm sure we'll get into, I've had a lot of different careers, including vacation rental ones, and they tend to change pretty dramatically. And And so I think seasons and this idea of changing and pivoting and going with, with the natural elements and the way that, that the tide moves is something emblematic of what I'm all about.
0: Nice. I'm not familiar with that song, but we'll toss it in the show notes. And then I think I forget who's modifying the Spotify playlist, but you'll have to dig in deep on that one. I think it's... Yeah,
2: Scott's the DJ, but Jeff, I love it. I am familiar with that song. Great song. But I love the question because it always digs into some thoughtful process around really where you are in your life and where you're going. So that was a great answer. Thank you.
3: Yeah, of course.
0: Right on. So the season that you're in today then, Jeff, with HostGPO, (laughs) could you give us just a quick background, how you got into this space, why this idea, a novel idea, a lot of people, oh, I'll do another PMS, I'll do this, I'll do that. They take an existing thread and go down it. It seems like this is something new. So I'd love to hear that, your background and how you got started with HostGPO. Yeah, for sure.
3: Originally, I was a lawyer uh, and I was practicing at a big law firm for about three years doing uh, litigation and I fell into the vacation rental industry about a decade ago And I remember reading an article in the New York Times about lease arbitrage. I was like, wow, that sounds really fascinating. I wonder what that would look like in, in the vacation rental world and how that even works. And I ended up falling into this property that was across the street from my house. And I really loved the idea of running a vacation rental. So I leased the house. I ended up putting some furniture inside. And that was the beginning of my vacation rental career. I was really uniquely obsessed with it. I loved the concept of the people coming. I love like creating these experiences for people. I love to see who was showing up and especially in the earlier days for me, it was when Airbnb was still just booming in the beginning of it today. There was just such a novelty element of folks coming to major cities, not traditional vacation rental destinations. And I really had this great experience doing it the first time. And then I had this really interesting idea, which we don't have to get too much into, which was the whole concept behind vacation rentals and the sharing economy is utilizing underutilized assets in some sort of meaningful way to to help you know uh, other people so that things don't just sit idle. And whether that's your car that's just sitting there and you can give somebody else a ride, or you know ho- however it is. And so I had the idea to start doing lease arbitrage on homes that were waiting for entitlements. So people that would buy homes that were older properties or kind of mid-size, mid, middle middle of the road properties that they were going to eventually gut or knock down and turn into much larger homes. So I was like, these. What happens is that developers and construction people would end up buying these homes. They would end up, the whole family that was living there would leave, and the home would be empty for about nine to eighteen months, depending on how long the entitlement permit process took. So my thought was, these homes are sitting empty. The developers that buy the homes, they're not gonna go find property management companies to put people inside. They're just gonna sit there. And so I ended up going to and reaching out and pulling city records and reaching out to all the people who are filing permits or entitlements and doing all the door knocking stuff and making deals with these folks to pretty much lease the properties for like about half of what the market rent was, telling them, look, I'll do all the PM work myself. I'll I'll rooter the toilets if there's problems. They'll never call you for anything. you will always get the money. And, and when your permits come through, I'll only book like a 30 day window. So when your permits come through, just give me 30 day notice anytime, and I'll give you the home back and you don't have to worry about doing any of the other work or finding anybody and I'll take it tomorrow. And so that started this kind of avalanche of, that was a great idea. And I was, then I was doing real well. And so I had 10 properties, 50 properties, started doing property management work as well, because I had a team built out and then eventually got up to 150 properties, everything from super luxury villa homes to apartment buildings that were renting for $80 a night to $3,500 a night and furnished a lot of these homes. And throughout that process, I was working with various people at Whether it was the Airbnb acquisition of luxury retreats, who I used to do a lot of work with, or learning more about Verbo, and I was learning all this stuff from the ground up. There weren't there wasn't as much education back then, or at least I couldn't find it. I was I remember like trying to figure out what a channel manager was, and having somebody explain to me like nine times before I understood what this was and how that worked. I think that the industry was starting to professionalize in a good way. I think I was along for that ride, but really far away from other folks who had been in the vacation rental space for a long time. And then I went to my first industry conference. And this is a very long-winded explanation, by the way. I hope you're, I hope we're all right. I'm with it.
0: I'm locked in. You're good. Keep going.
3: So I go to this industry conference and I remember this first conference that I went to and I'm standing there and I had this idea in the back of my mind that GPOs, group purchasing organizations, these exist for everybody. They're in the hospital industry. They're in pharmaceuticals, schools, food, restaurants, you name it. When you open up a new hospital, you're not. The folks that build the hospital and are running the hospital, they're not going and figuring out where to buy the beds or where to buy the hospital sheets or where to buy the IV stands or whatever it is. They're going to a GPO that's already sourced, procured, and negotiated the best of the best items at discounted pricing so that they can buy Right. So this existed everywhere else, but I remember standing at this conference and I had this idea in the back of my mind. And I remember somebody leaned over to me and whispered, hey, so by the way, where do you get your mattresses? And I was like, why are we whispering? Where do you get your mattresses? And where do you get your mattress? And where do you get your mattress? I want to where everybody gets their mattress. And this is where I get my mattress. And th- this idea of there's no trade secret in what kind of toilet paper you're using. If we work together and create this community and really aggregate everybody, we can really unlock things. So. Host GPO started as a as like a private group of my company and about I don't know 15 other vacation rental companies that all had 100 200 300 units and I started going to the people that we were buying the mattresses from and saying Hey look what if we all bought from you What could we do then What if going to furniture companies like West Elm and Pottery Barn and saying What if we bought your furniture as a group What kind of discounts would we be able to get then And so that was the initial kind of start of Host GPO It was a pain point I had I did all of the things that anybody starting in the space does, 48 shopping cart, Ikea checkouts, running around on Facebook marketplace, getting on my hands and knees and building Wayfair furniture for eight year, eight million years, what feels like. I went through a lot of those pain points and learned the lessons about what kinds of products are good for vacation rental use, what's going to withstand wear and tear, and which of the 50 million sheet options that are out there, which are the best ones. And so that was the seasons of the last three seasons with some other fun little fun little businesses thrown in the middle, but that's how I got to host GPO and where I am.
0: So Jeff,
2: just to underline GPO, just so everybody understands exactly what that is. Are In all these other industries, are they not for profit? Are they profit? Are these like private companies? How do they usually run?
3: Yeah, so they're generally private companies and they're very different depending on which industry you're in. For example, some GPOs, what they really focus on is like certain tiers of accounts. So some GPOs, like the fee to join can be like 25 grand, right? Just because it's only for kind of the biggest folks. And the way that they do it is they fully integrate the software with you and they do like really complex onboardings and all that kind of stuff. And when you sign up, you promise that everything that you buy will be through the GPO. Like there's no way to buy anything else outside of it. That is your sole procurement source. Sometimes GPOs, the way that they work is that... They're really more focused on on the terms themselves. So if you think about pharmaceuticals, right, a lot of the work that goes into negotiating those types of contracts for what kind of drugs are going to be distributed is... Uh, goes into looking at the testing, the approvals. Did this go through whatever it is, the FDA? Did it go through the appropriate types of testings? Is there the right insurance in place for these drug companies that we feel comfortable recommending this to our buying group so that they can disseminate and sell these drugs, right? Each individual doctor's office or even each individual pharmacy is not gonna go to negotiate with the manufacturer of each drug to look through all of it. So they take different flavors in different industries. And we really have focused very hard on trying to figure out what the pain points are in vacation rentals and which brands make the most sense, and then negotiating very specific terms with those brands. Just a really easy idea of that is for vacation rentals, unlike a hotel, right? If you were a giant hotel, you might order 4,000 pieces of, or 4,000 chairs, and they're gonna go to the same address, and they're all gonna be delivered at once, and they're all gonna be mass manufactured, and they're supposed to look identical to each other. And so, what we try to do is partner with brands where you can order one chair, ship it to whatever house that you want. And you have an option of hundreds of thousands of chairs so that you can really make a unique property. The needs that we have are very different to other GPOs in other spaces. And the concept of what we're trying to do, aggregate buying power together, get everybody under one roof and really elevate the industry by providing better products. That is something that I think every GPO aligns with, but we're trying to do in a very unique way for our industry.
0: When you first got started, you mentioned like the medical industry a lot. Did you have any specific knowledge of that with your previous law career? Or did you just, how did you stumble across that? I guess initially, I'm just curious. I
3: met a guy through another guy and we were, I was in Vegas for something else. And then there was a conference and I walked into this conference and it was a GPO conference for the (laughs) pharmaceutical industry. And I was like, what's a GPO, what's going on here? And I just wanted to understand it. And then that was the very eye opening moment of, oh, wow, this is, What a brilliant thing that should exist in our space.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So turning the page a bit, maybe going over to Keystone and how you got, I think, how you ended up meeting Scott and Adam here in the flesh. What kind of drove you to going to that event? And what was your experience at that event? We had Matt on, I think, two episodes from this one. So if you, I'll put the link in the show notes to that one. But if people want to go back and listen, I think they should listen to Mass episode two, obviously. But yeah, what was your experience there? And how'd you think of that experience of going to that event?
3: Yeah, I thought Keystone was awesome. I fell into, I I think the best thing to start with is just that my experience going through the vacation rental industry over the last 10 years was very lonely. I was an ex-lawyer that wasn't a vacation rental guy, figuring all this stuff out on my own. I had one partner who had somewhat of more of an idea than I did about how to do this stuff, but like really not really. And this kind of what I loved about Keystone out of the gate and how I started to meet Matt and Steve and a bunch of the other folks was just by trying to become a part of this community. The vacation rental community, right? This is a, I don't know, Dave Krause from Rent Responsibly talks about this all the time about the AAA and the Auto Association, right? And how it was the folks in the industry that were actually making, that got together. And once the community was formed, started to pave the road for whatever it was, driving regulations or anything else, right? And the lack of community was something I was really missing. And I remember meeting Matt and being very instantly. Just attracted it to him because he was involved in the space and so ingrained in the community. And we've become closer friends over the years. The first time I actually met Matt in person, he was a judge of a focus right, um, focus pitch competition where I was one of the pitching companies. And Matt comes on stage, it was at a it was at a Verma, and Matt comes on stage and he's wearing a referee. Jersey. Everybody else is dressed normally, <laughs> of course. Right? Matt walks up on a referee with a whistle, and I'm like, "Who is this guy?" And I do the whole pitch, and it was great. We ended up winning, and we were the innovator of the year, and all this stuff. But I ended up meeting Matt afterwards. He stopped, and we met, and that was the beginning of kind of an ongoing friendship. And and when he invited me, and I knew that Steve was involved in Costco, big host GPO user, and a, a big fan of Steve Schwab. When I got one email that said, "Matt and Steve are doing something. Do you want to come?" and I honestly didn't even read anything else. And I just said, yeah, of course, just let me know when it is. So that was how I fell into it really blind, but it was, it was a great experience.
0: Yeah. Right on. So Adam and Scott, uh, maybe I'll pick on you first, Adam. You just, you guys shared dinner together and that was about it or yeah. What was the conversation happening there and how'd you learn about what went on there?
2: With Steve or sorry, with Jeff.
0: Yeah, with Jeff. Yeah, sorry.
2: So we've talked about this a little bit, Conrad, but you break up into small groups, right? So Jeff was not in my group. Scott and Jeff were in the same group. So they probably had a lot more interaction than I did. I had relatively limited. In fact, when Jeff and I were texting back and forth afterwards, asking about this to set this up, we both said the same thing of, yeah, we wish we had had some more time when we are at Keystone just to get to know each other a little bit better. But- A, it's a small enough group where you get to know everybody in the group regardless, because there's enough interaction where you do get to know everybody. But I did have a chance at one point just to dig into GPO a little bit. And that's where I got to understand a little bit more about Jeff's background and GPO. And then just through some other discussions, there's some commonalities. I went to law school for a year. I can relate. It was Hofstra. I know Jeff goes bi-coastal between LA and New York City. So there were some commonalities that we shared. But for the most part, I think the opportunity that Jeff's talking about within Keystone Is that opportunity to build the community. I'm curious, Jeff, on your side, when you say that you got in and it was a lonely space, there's and there's a division on this call, but there's a division in this industry to some degree that you've got people that have been in the more professionalized property management side, which I would say the three of us, Scott, Conrad, me, have all started our careers on the vacation rental industry on that more professional side of things. Whereas it seems like maybe you have come in more on that Airbnb side. And it's curious to me that there is this gap between the two. So when you mentioned that there was no education, it felt a little lonely, you didn't make it to your first industry event for a number of years. Was that because you didn't, coming into it the way you did and only having access primarily through Airbnb, did you just not recognize that there was a bigger world of vacation rental management out there?
3: Yeah, I think it was two things. One was definitely that. I definitely didn't realize that there was a bigger vacation rental world out there. I'd never heard of VRMA. I thought of traditional vacation rentals as something very different than what I was doing. Because when I thought of vacation rentals, I was thinking of you go to the island and you check in. And if you ask for sheets, they're hanging on the door. But if you didn't, you brought your own. And that's what I had always thought of as vacation rentals. And then I just thought of Airbnb stuff as short-term rentals. And that was the guys I was living under for a long time. So that was a part of it. The other part of it was just that I think the industry itself was still developing in a meaningful way. And I was based mostly in Southern California, where regulations were hot and cold for a long time. There were suggestions that they were going to pass laws. Then they didn't pass the laws. Then it was one of those things where it was frowned upon, but not. And so I also just wasn't very open about what I was doing during that period because I didn't really know what was I didn't know what was going on. And I think for me there was honestly a little bit of shame in it because I was looking at this whole thing thinking, here I was a lawyer who was out in a unit cleaning it because the cleaners didn't show up and I had a guest showing up. And I'm like thinking or building furniture. And, and I think there was like this weird element in my mind of if you're doing Airbnb, it's not even a vacation rentals. This isn't even a, a professional thing. It's a It's something that you do when you rent out your guest house. Like I didn't even realize that this was an industry or anything like that for a really long time. And so I think that, not knowing where to turn or who to go to. There definitely weren't as many masterminds or coaches or groups or podcasts back then. And then the kind of the third part was just, I think there was this cloud around vacation rentals, especially in major cities for a long time that I think prevented me from really even reaching out or talking about the fact that's what I was
2: doing. Yeah, and LA was probably the biggest cloud there was in the industry, because to your point, it was just back and forth about regulations and whether or not they were going to pass. And they almost felt like you had to hide just so you were under the radar.
3: Yeah, I think it was only to your detriment too. And what really, looking back on it in hindsight, the real shame in that was if the industry would have been further along, and like the regulation efforts and legislation efforts and a lot of the work that like rent responsibilities type that that type of stuff does. If that had been more visible to me, I would have been personally more active in trying to be involved with the legislation yeah. that was getting passed. I think I could have been a really good advocate for the industry and for the city and all of that stuff. But there was this unknown where it had just, been pushed along for six, seven years and nobody really thought the regulations were ever going to come through. Or if they did come through with nobody thought they would be as dramatic as they were. And look, I think that hindsight's 2020, 20, but the industry was really developing, at least for me, from the kind of entry point that I had to something very different.
2: Now, I completely agree. And I think that to some degree it's actually still in that process of evolving. To your point about regulations and rent responsibly, you look back ten years and nobody no one was putting together those coalitions to fight these regulations. There was no vision of where this was going. And honestly, they're not doing we collectively are not doing a fantastic job at fighting these regulations today. So there's a lot of room for improvement. Now that you've gone through it for these 10 years and you've had a couple cycles to understand the industry a little bit, what's your view of the industry today? What's your vision as we go forward? Do you still see Separation, lack of education, loneliness. What do you see from an industry
3: perspective? Yeah, I think that the loneliness part of it isn't there as much, right? There's a lot of there's a lot more community. I think that the education component is there, but not polished. And I think that there's a lot of folks giving out there giving advice that I don't I wouldn't give. Not to say that I'm right. I just think that there are some folks that are giving pretty aggressive advice to people about how to enter the space. I think there's some friction there. I think that the divide between the b- between just starting out people that think of this as the Airbnb entrepreneurial world and the property management world is kind of like old guard, for lack of a, a better term, that have been in, in industry titans for a long time. I think that division exists, but I don't know if that's a problem. I think that there are things to learn from each other, but I don't think that it has to be this big issue that like the businesses operate differently or the educational components operate differently. Look, I think one really, one kind of interesting example of that is when you look at like dynamic pricing, right? So you have, it's important for everybody. Everybody needs to understand dynamic pricing to some extent. But when you are a massive, massive vacation rental operator, even your concept, like the way you look at revenue is totally different and on a much different level than somebody who should know that like Beyond or Price Labs like exists and should incorporate those. And so I don't think that it's a problem. Like I think that the educational components really should be different from our perspective and from the host GPO perspective. We want everybody under the umbrella because it makes no difference. If you guys are buying, if somebody's buying a, a couch and somebody else is buying a couch, it's they're just couches to us. And the more people are, that are under the umbrella, the better. I think it's in an interesting kind of inflection point. I think that there are there is a lot of crossover. I think there's a lot to be gained from learning from both sides of the spectrum, but I don't think that it has to be this like integration or all or nothing. Like I think they will remain separate, and I think that's okay. I'll go one further, by the way, Adam, which is the short-term rental kind of entrepreneurs rent renter I can't say, the <laughs> it's a renter entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. I, should, I really should practice that more. But okay, so the those guys, the PMS, and then. Look, I I think the hotel guys. Look, I I feel the same way. Like, it's different. It's the same. It's crossing over. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Look, what we're doing is a playbook out of the hotel industry. Like, hotels have been doing GPOs for years. And they have it dialed in, but it only makes sense for them. If you're mass manufacturing 3,000 units at once, or you're ordering $2 million in linens in one order delivered to one address at one time, it's a very different concept for what that GPO needs to do. Hotel GPOs will do things like you want to leave an apple on the pillow for every guest when they arrive. You go to the GPO and the GPO goes out and finds all the local, whatever it is, the person that delivers apples and gets it all set up for you. And then the apples just show up for your team to put them out, right? That's the kind of sourcing that a hotel GPO does. But our needs are very different. doesn't mean that we don't need a GPO. It's just, a different. I don't know, long-winded answer, but I think it's okay to remain separate. I think there's things we can learn from each other.
0: Yeah. yeah, I love it. I think a lot of people have that point of view. We've talked about it before with regards to like the guest experience, yeah. and there's a lot of pros to the hotel <laughs> guest experience. There's pieces of it that we like quite a bit. I've referenced different stays that I've had in the past where, man, I was really glad that someone was there to help me and that sort of thing. But there's different things there. Maybe I'll turn the page a little bit and head Scott's way from an operation. He calls himself the operational grunt. That's not my terminology, if you haven't <laughs> heard that before. So when I say this, it's a, it's Scott's terminology, not mine. But what's your experience here, Scott? I imagine, I guess I don't know exactly what that onboarding process looks like for for TAM units. Do you take what's in there? Do you Are you guys always putting new stuff in there? Have you explored these other options before of getting unit ready? And maybe there's some synergies here. Yeah. What are your thoughts of this idea and how it would impact your ability to get a unit live into TAM?
1: Yeah, Yeah, so it's funny because we actually talked to a couple hotel GPOs, right? Because TAN may be a little bit closer to that hotel GPO model, but purely because we have so many units in one area or one building, it is important for us to have some standards, right? Because we can get a group of people going three different units. And we've even talked about this in our world, right? We're not going to order a thousand of the same chairs, at least having it close enough to where you could see that there was a standard applied, I think is the key here. And I've heard Jeff talk a little bit and Jeff and I were in the same small group. We had an incredible time together. He certainly pulled a ton out of me, but if you look at just how his thinking was, and then I heard him on Alex and Annie and how he started to talk about really professionalizing that side of it and giving you a place to go to say, here's what you need. From our perspective, Conrad, what we'll do is we'll go in and find the standard from a TAM perspective, some of the units we put the furniture in, some of the units the owner does, but we can deliver them a whole package and say, here it all is for you, you just hit go and we're ready to go. And I think, Jeff, that's part of getting this out to the owners, right? Getting owners involved is we have a standard we want to hit. I think Jeff has all of the tools to get you to the standard. I think you talked a little bit about it with Alex Danny with the setups and the how-to guides and all that stuff. So I think we can bring in standards. It's not never going to be a thousand of the same chair standard, but it's still a standard that's going to meet the needs of our industry.
0: I guess on that note, Jeff, I'm curious, how do you vet the people who are kind of Part of on the supplier side, on the vendor side, how do you know that their chairs are any good or their towels are any good or stuff like that? Is it just based on the demand of the people coming in? Oh, I've used this product before; it's good. Or how do you, or do you have a warehouse somewhere where a thousand chairs you've sat in? Or I'm
3: guessing <laughs> it's a great question, and honestly, not enough people ask it. And so I'm really happy that you did. So uh, the there's a couple ways. The first way is there's not a lot of vetting you have to do for a brand like Pottery Barn, right? Like it's a nationally distributed, name recognized brand, and they have. They have, I think what's interesting there is the vetting more goes to which products at Pottery Barn or West Elm or Williams Sonoma to buy. And the truth is that they have an array of products that are meant for different uses, they have a separate line called contract grade which means that the item itself has been rumble tested. It's made with better quality materials that are meant to endure wear and tear. It's what hotels, restaurants, and other commercial operators use in their their homes. And so one part of that is just educating people on the fact that contract-grade furniture, even from one brand, is different than their regular furniture. So that's the first part of it. So you got all the name brands. And then as far as the other brands go, it is an extremely rigorous process. The most of our brands come through members. So a lot of the brands that we end up partnering with are, it'll be somebody ordering shampoo and they say, hey, look, we've been ordering from this brand. We've looked at the other options that you have. And we think that the brand that we have is, is great and we want to continue using it. And so then we'll start diving in, talking to that brand. We look at things like inventory, availability, shipping, timelines, a level of support. So for example, host GPO, we have our own designated support team at each of these companies. So if our members have needs, you don't get treated like the guy that just ordered one chair, you get treated like you're a part of a group that has 250,000 units, and we are have our own tiers right so there is a very significant kind of process we do a lot of product testing we get samples host gpo is actually comprised i think this is pretty cool but most of our team are either people who signed up for host gpo and wanted to come work here and join us which is awesome or short-term rental operators themselves who have 15 units or 20 units or even three units and so What we'll end up doing is getting samples of the products. People are using them in their homes. We've had people drive over towels back and forth with their cars and throw them in the washing machine to see what will happen. I think a lot of this is looking at the brands themselves, really diving into how big are they? Who are they distributing to? Can they handle the type of volume that host GPO is going to do? Talking to other members who are using their products. And then the last thing is we don't make deals with anybody unless we have contractual exclusivity that says... Host GPO members are going to get the best price. It doesn't matter. No individual operator can ever get a better price than Host GPO. And the idea is that because we do that, there's no worry when you're buying the stuff that you're leaving anything on the table. It takes the negotiations out of the equation. And we don't require people to buy everything through us. We just believe that we have all the best stuff. And if there's something that we don't have, we love when our members come to us and say, Hey, I'm getting. 5% off here, I'm getting 10% off here, I'm getting 35% off and we go and get 50% off because we bring the volume to the table. And you know, that's how we do it. So it's a little bit of sourcing from our members about what they want, how to fulfill the needs. And then it's a pretty rigorous amount of testing before we award a vendor onto our marketplace.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there like a review feedback loop system as well? I guess this might be an awkward question, but have you kicked vendors out of your platformer system and been like, Hey, you guys aren't delivering what we, what we want out of this experience. Yeah.
3: We have, we've fortunately never had a vendor walk away from us, but we have walked away from a vendor when we also set pretty strict requirements on things like, look, there are things like cotton pricing that are going to go up and down depending on or shipping, right? During COVID was like all of a sudden shipping containers were like $26,000 a shipping container instead of 8,000 or whatever. So those types of fluctuations in, in price can be really problematic, especially for larger businesses that are relying on consistency. You're looking at it in your margins. And so one thing that we do, which is like a pretty traditional GPO move is we will actually go in and negotiate limited price increases, like maybe one a year, maybe a maximum cap for what that price increase can be. And so we'll put those types of things in place. And sometimes it breaks the, it breaks the relationship. And it happened one time we were with a a partner who I won't name, but they were a very big company. And all of a sudden they went through some sort of reorg and restructure and they ended up only being able to perform on a certain part of the contract. And we didn't feel comfortable putting that in front of everybody because my whole belief is if you can go on to Amazon or wherever else and buy whatever that item is for cheaper then or better quality, then there's no reason it should be on my site. And so we really try to really tailor what's on there to the best of the best. And so we had to tell a vendor to, that we were going to walk away when they started to increase pricing and not really be able to fulfill in the way that we thought was meaningful.
0: Yeah. And ultimately, that's the that's like an integrity thing as well. Like, then people are going to trust it more. Why this go away, and then you can explain yeah. why that happened as well. Maybe we can go back to professionalism and standards. We touched on it, but I guess maybe Adam, I'm curious your perspective on it. If a platform like this can elevate that single property host, multi property host, the 2019er, um, and give them better, higher quality stuff, because one thing that I see personally, just when I go and look at uh, a listing on a short rental site, it could be Airbnb, could be Verbo, whatever the case may be, is you see the same like cheap things played out over and over again. If I see that fake plant with the, like that palm. <laughs> leaf just stuck in the corner of a room somewhere. I'm just like, who is doing this? Who's giving them this advice? It looks so bad. I feel like please, it's better just no not more have anything fake there. fake
2: plants in your Oh, house, the please. fake plants.
0: But yeah, maybe Adam, you could talk to like your thoughts on, could a platform like this actually take someone who's trying to actually deliver a good experience and make their property great, etc., and give them better options to actually place inside that property? Because design, the layout of the property, the way the furniture looks, all this stuff, it's a huge factor, obviously, in what makes someone want to actually book a place.
2: Yeah, for sure. So Jeff, just to share a definition with you. So the renterpreneurs we've come to call them the 2019ers, that's when we believe the huge spike in entrepreneurs came in. So as the old guard, we have named them the 2019ers. So that's where that came from. But to answer your question, Conrad, yeah, I, that my first excitement when I heard Jeff explain the GPO was on the discount side because it was just a huge opportunity to Jeff's point to see 50% plus in discounts is tremendous. To think about Going out and not having to negotiate and not having to call 10 different vendors to do this, going out and knowing that negotiation has been done. And all you need to do is go online and actually order the stuff you want. You're going to get that discount. That is a huge opportunity for the entire industry. That's the first level that I thought, okay, wow, there's definitely something behind this. And I had not heard any of the numbers that Jeff has now shared. And I've started to understand that, wow, they've been doing this for a while. And there's actually some huge numbers behind this. And then as a result of that, they've got these great relationships with really strong brands that we're probably all familiar with and probably all buying from. So the first level, I think, is just that discount and the pre-negotiation. That is a huge opportunity for us as an industry. And as a result of that, we should be able to make better decisions. We should be able to make quicker buying decisions, but more so we should be able to get better quality. So we should be starting with better quality from the beginning. So to your point, Conrad, about standards, I think that's the first level of it is let's just get better quality into these homes. Don't put the fake plants in there. Don't put the Ikea in there. Don't put the Wayfair in there. Go right to the good quality that's going to last. And there's value in that in a number of levels. The first level is on the homeowner side, right? You're getting good quality at a really strong price. That means you're not going to have to change it out in a couple of years. Not changing it out in a couple of years is really good for the vacation rental manager because now they don't have to deal with the headache of furniture breaking or dealing with the homeowner who's going to say, I bought that two years ago. Why do I need to replace it? And I don't want to replace it. So there's value there. The end value that we always get back to is the guest experience, right? And if you've got high quality furnishings and you've got really nice design, well, by default, you're going to have a much better, guest experience from the very beginning. And that's without cleaning or anything else that we're doing on the hospitality side. That is just expectation, table stakes. You got the right stuff in the home. I don't think we're doing nearly enough of that. And Jeff probably has a much better feel of that than we do, but I'd say there's a very small percentage of this industry that is actually doing high quality furnishings at the right way with the right design. Now, I think you take it up to that next level, Conrad, and you start talking about actual design and Jeff hasn't touched on this, but I've heard him talk about it at Keystone and then on some podcasts since. They actually have design services behind this. And design is not easy, right? It's one thing to go on a website and pick out a bed and say, yeah, that I like it. First of all, you're not buying for yourself. You're buying for the guests. And I think every manager, every homeowner needs to recognize that. Do not be buying this for yourself. You're buying it for a guest and you need to understand what the trends are for these guests. Otherwise, you're not going to stand out and you need to be a, a property that stands out. So once you get solid furnishings, once you get good design, I think now you've got a base level of expectation that the guests can start to walk in and have this really strong guest experience. Now we can layer in cleaning and maintenance and all those other hospitality experiences that we always talk about, but I see this one from a discount perspective, two from the selection, and then three from the design side. Now, Jeff's numbers, I'm very happy to hear that so many people are using this because I think the next level of this question is, Really, how quickly can this spread? How quickly does the tide rise in order to raise the boats? And I'd flip that maybe back to you, Jeff. What are you seeing from a pace? How quickly are you guys growing? What's some of the data
3: behind what you guys are doing? Wow, you should see I'm like a note taker and my notes are just going nuts. So many things to say. Let me start from a pace perspective. We've been growing very quickly, exponentially over the last three years. One of the big things that we did recently, we actually closed a round of fundraising last month And the big reason why we closed this round of fundraising was, or one of the big reasons was one of the investors, our strategic investor, is the largest GPO in the US. And the reason why we did that is because we can get really big, but they are insanely big. And so the ability that we can get through them to be powered by them to bring certain, not everything. There's not, we don't need the same things that every other industry might need, but for example, paper towels and things like to be able to get their pricing and pass that through to our vacation rental users or something like that. That's a huge thing. So we've been growing really quickly. And as far as the trajectory goes, we have so many ideas for how we can streamline the ordering process, bring in additional vendors that we don't have that we know people need and really be super powered by this, this force. So we're hoping to continue growing and expanding. And I've always thrilled to talk on podcasts like this, because for anybody that's not a member yet, that's listening, it's free to join. You can get a truck. You do a trial for three months. You can order all the stuff. You can check it out. So there's my little spiel and pitch. There's no reason not to try it. But just going back, like, I know you, Adam, you talked about the three things there. And for me, we do have this interior design program, which is awesome. If you're doing a new home, it's a free interior design program. I've set up over 250 units myself. I am a awful interior designer. And I've learned that over time. And despite my belief that I think I have nice taste, again, when your personal taste isn't what the guest wants. And I think really focusing on having an intention with the property, knowing who's going to be traveling there, is it families? Are you in a major metropolitan city? Are you catering to folks in a local way? Are you focusing on if you are in the outskirts? Is it something where repeat bookings are going to be super important to you because the folks that travel to that destination come year in and year out? And are you creating experiences for them that's gonna that are gonna drive them to come back? Thinking about that from a design perspective is super important. I saw some crazy statistic recently that said I think it was less than 7% of vacation rental units are quote unquote fully optimized which means from a design perspective from a pricing perspective and from a listing perspective are actually hitting all of the metrics where there there isn't much room for improvement in any of those directions which i think is super super fascinating I think you start talking about these the 2019ers will love that by the way that's brilliant I'm gonna steal that <laughs> yeah. I think that what ended up happening in, in covid and I talk about this a lot is the industry has a this industry has a phenomenal amount of churn. Right. There's like a 20%-ish year-over-year churn on units in general. And and so what I think is really interesting there is during COVID, it was even exponentially higher than that. And the types of units that ended up not performing or falling out or when demand started to dwindle right and you're you have two options next to each other people are going to book the one that looks better feels better has higher reviews on things like accuracy that the things inside of it actually feel like the wood isn't like a laminate that it's actually wood on the coffee table when you get there i think that the general standard of the industry is elevating. Back 10 years ago, you couldn't, you guys must remember, you couldn't miss. You couldn't miss. The demand was so high. You could put whatever furniture you wanted inside and you were gonna, you were gonna crush it. But nowadays, like the minimum standard that's expected from guests, especially as the guest side of things has started to expand. You have all different types of travelers that aren't just the young tech Airbnb early adopters, but now you have all types of folks traveling. Their expectations are really. Measuring against uh, against hotels, I fully agree with the design part. I agree with being intentional and thinking about your guest avatars in advance. I talked a little bit about the trajectory and then going into the specifics of the actual standards themselves, which is that first part so many things there. I can't tell you how this one always gets me. I love when we like we try to onboard as many folks when they call in as we can and really walk them through the portal and send them samples of the products and whatever else they need and try to educate them however we can because you know, we're all hosts over here and, and it's a, a really nice way to connect with our community. But I can't tell you how many people are sewing in hand sewing in color cor- color threads into their sheets. So that they can tell the kings and their cleaners can tell the kings, queens, and twins apart. And it's, that is like one of the easiest ideas where there are people out there reinventing the wheel and a company like Standard Textile, they have a color coordinated thread that runs all the way along the inside of the linens. They have no hemline, so you can put it on either way. These sheets are like optimized for hospitality use and they're literally made for this. And you start to think about what else can those sheets do? I don't want, I went to, I did a tour of their factory recently and I can't even tell you that like sheet tech is a thing that i never thought about, like how they weave it and how it's stain resistant and wrinkle resistant and dries faster. There's all this stuff that goes into what it is. And when you think about the fact that you got to wash all these towels and turn over the unit in four hours, and we were turning over hundreds of units, it's a whole thing. So I think thinking about the quality of the product that's going in and also optimizing it. So you're buying nice and not twice. And like Adam was saying, you don't have to be a PM going in and blocking off the calendar for a night ordering a new piece of furniture, disposing of the old piece of furniture, like that translates into long-term ROI. And then the last point, I know I'm just like on a tangent right now, Keep going, but yeah. the, the last thing is, okay, so let's talk about fake plants, right? Or let's talk about art, because this comes up a lot. You know, how many times you've seen that exact same Ikea fiddle leaf in the corner or whatever it is, that palm, there's two trees, right? They sell two trees and they're in every vacation rental unit. And, or the same thing with art, it's like, everybody has Eiffel Tower photo, or if I can tell what year your vacation rental is, depending on what year Ikea art you have. So do you have the balloon, the hot air balloons over Paris? Are you like a Longhorn person? Do you have, are you a Marilyn Monroe and haven't renovated your unit in seven years? I know like what people, I can see it in the listing. I look at them all day. For us, it's one thing about buying quality, but it's another thing to be able to have optionality, unique stays and local stays outperform generically luxury stays every day of the week. There's a lot of statistics behind this. And I think what's really fascinating is we partner with a brand like Society6 that had, it's a marketplace for artists. So there's million SKUs on that, on that site. You can type in whatever, whatever falls you live next to, whatever lake you live next to and get photographs that are taken of your, na- every area. You can get paintings that are made of that area. You can get pillows, you can get whatever you want. And that really allows you to customize things in a very unique way to make things feel more unique. And not everything has to be unique. You don't have to have the only one that have has this exact mattress, but your art should be unique. Same thing with your plants. Your plants should probably fit the space. Quick teaser. We may or may not be launching a partner, a fake plant partner soon. With the idea being that if you're going to put fake plants, like maybe you want to choose from a hundred thousand skews of fake plants and not the same ones. We really try to, if you're going to do it, like we want you to at least do it right. Look, these are, this is how we think about the industry and the space and I guess, our growth trajectory and how we want to keep growing. All right, you might win me over on fake plants if you got 100,000 to
2: choose. That's what I'm saying. There's (laughs) all these different fake plants I I never
3: even knew about.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know we're of time here, guys, so we might have to put a bow on this one. Maybe, you know, Jeff, we'll have you on a second time. We didn't get through the whole outline, and I think there's a lot more that we could talk about and share. Like you said, specific tactical examples. But anything else, Scott and Adam, that we could ask Jeff to round things out here towards the end? Or?
2: I've got one, Jeff, because I looked at your LinkedIn today and I was surprised to see that you were a jazz musician. So I wanted to know, what is your suggestion for someone that's interested in getting into jazz? Who should I start listening to?
3: Ooh, so I'm a jazz I Actually, if you're... I got my little saxophone over here and I played a lot. I was also a jazz radio DJ. So I have a ton of recommendations for what to listen to. I will tell you for somebody that's interested in jazz, like your kind of first, first toe dip in, you've got your Miles Davis, your Coltrane, definitely start there. I think that kind of the next easy step is maybe slightly more obscure people. You've got Freddie Hubbard, you've got some like Cannibal Adderley, Joe Henderson, those are all good ones. And then for those of you that are slightly more further along the road, I would say Youssef Latif is a big favorite of mine. He's got an album called Eastern Sounds that I really love. And Ahmad Jamal, who passed away this year, amazing jazz musician, highly recommend checking out Amma Jamal. Those would probably be my Preliminary suggestions, for
2: All right, suggestions. I got a playlist
1: working for this weekend then. Nice.
0: <laughs> Yeah, good stuff. Nice. Yeah. Listen, Jeff. Uh, although
1: nice we time. made it when there's a fake plant sitting right behind Conrad. In the <laughs>
0: group if you send me one of those hundred thousand cues that you think is the best, Jeff, I'll put it right. I'll put it. There right we right. go. So,
1: it's
3: am. it's coming with a little host GPL label next <laughs> to it. There <me>. go.
1: <laughs>
0: there you go. I'll send you my address. Thank you, Jeff. This has been awesome. This has been enlightening as well. I love the energy of the conversation today. I think it was fantastic. What would give us a lot of energy? Actually, you may not know this, Jeff, is people need to leave a review. So if they leave a review, we'll bring on more people. It'll help get more people to check out the show and listen to it so we thank you for your time we'll put a bow on this one and we will catch you next week on the art of hospitality thanks so much guys
2: thanks everyone